Welcome to the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. My name is Natalie Nidham. I'm a nutritionist, a human potential, and epigenetic coach, and I created this podcast to bring you the latest ways to take control of your health and longevity. We cover it all, from new technology to ancestral health practices, personalized interventions, and a very special interest of mine, peptides. Enjoy the show. Hey folks, welcome back to the show. Today's guest is Dr. Pamela Crisco. Dr. Crisco is a psychedelic researcher. She's a medical doctor and she is an educator and she is the medical lead of the ketamine assisted therapy Roots to Thrive program that runs out of British Columbia, but is actually starting to expand across the North American continent. And we'll talk about that more in the podcast. But what the Roots to Thrive program is about, it's about solving for mental health issues. And it does it in a multi-tiered way. It leans heavily into community and connection. It's a 12-week program. And there's only a piece of it that leans into uh, ketamine-assisted therapies that are guided with a medical doctor and a psychiatrist and a whole team behind them. They use all kinds of other somatic therapies. It is it is really a beautiful, beautiful program. And I think that, you know, at this point, I don't think any of us walks around without either ourselves or knowing someone who's suffering with some kind of a mental health issue. So this is a growing issue. And this is, I love Dr. Pam's approach to it because it is so multi-layered and doesn't just lean on one thing. So I'm going to let her tell you all about it. If you want to learn more about the Roots to Thrive program, just go to rootstothrive.com. And to learn more about Dr. Crisco herself, you'll find that out also on the website or through LinkedIn, Dr. Pamela Crisco. So thank you so much for being here, you guys. I know you have busy lives. Thanks for taking time out to listen to this podcast. If you are inspired and decide to leave us a five-star review, I would be so grateful. And if you choose not to leave a five-star review at this time, that's a-okay. If you have any comments, questions, anything for me, please make sure to reach out to me through my website, which is natnidham.com. And that's all I got. We're just going to get a word from one of our sponsors and you're into the episode. Thank you so much for being here again. Hey folks, just a quick minute to thank our sponsor for this episode, Oxford HealthSpan, makers of Primadine, the only spermidine supplement that I personally use and recommend to my clients and family. Spermidine has earned a permanent spot on my longevity stack. Research has shown that spermidine positively impacts six of the nine hallmarks of aging, including protecting your DNA from damage as you age. Regular users also experience visible results after just one to three months, including better hair, skin, nails, and deeper sleep. I choose Primadine because it is the only spermidine supplement on the market that is free of any additives or excipients, while including a prebiotic to feed your own bacteria to make more of your own spermidine. And now Primadine also has a gluten-free version. To try Primadine, go to primadine.com and use discount code BIONAT15 to save 15% off your purchase. And now let's get back to the episode. Hey folks, just a quick reminder that all of the information presented in this podcast is for information purposes only. No medical advice, no diagnosing, no treatments suggested here. Before you try anything that you hear about or learn about here, make sure that you check with your medical provider. All right. Well, this is a take two, guys. Uh, welcome, Dr. Pamela Crisco, to the podcast. It is such a pleasure to have you here today. It's an honor to be here. Thank you for having me. 
Yeah. So, it's, I, you know, the minute I heard you speak on, uh, we're part of a group, I think it's Women for Longevity or Longevity for, I, I don't something about women and longevity. But the minute I heard you speak on the, in that group, I was like, yeah, I, 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 we need to talk <laughs> because, you know, your, your area of expertise is so, it's so fascinating and it is so needed in the world right now. So I'm really excited about this. Um, first of all, the application of psychedelics in medicine and, uh, and then the particular, your particular areas of expertise as well. But before we get into that, the way I usually start these podcasts is I try to, we try to give the audience a little bit of insight into your personal background and your journey of coming to where you are today, which obviously, you know, you didn't, you didn't go around saying, oh, you know, what, what's going to be a fun thing to do? Or, I mean, maybe it's fun for you on a, on a, on a challenge level, but you certainly didn't pick the easiest field to practice your craft in. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I don't usually take the easy route and use, I usually like to lean right into things that I feel are really challenging and, and certainly things that I, I don't feel like I have enough knowledge about. I like to lean into those and really look at them. And it, certainly in medicine, um, you know, some of the things that are the most challenging that we are not taught uh, well, or we don't really often come up with a lot of skill sets and is, is dealing with chronic pain, mm -hmm. dealing with uh, mental health challenges and palliative care. And so, uh, in my medical training, I jumped into all of those and really took a deep dive in it and really wanted to, um, you know, have a, a strong competency in those areas. Yeah. But your background, you did more, you didn't just come out of undergrad and decide to be a doctor, did you? You've done a lot of interesting things. I was, you know, I, we, we were talking earlier. I'm like, holy jumping. That's a, that's a journey. Yeah. I've had, I've had a good, a good a meander through my life. I've my first degree was in criminology, and so that also um, also helped set the stage for my interest in psychedelic medicines because I knew all about the war on drugs. I knew where that came from, what that was about, and had worked on some projects about people that had, had gone to uh, prison for long periods and was completely unjust. Um, and then from there, uh, in my summer jobs was forestry firefighting, and wow. so that paid the bills for me to go to university, and then and then that um, logically, uh, somehow, in my mind, logically went into city firefighting. So I was a city firefighter in the Vancouver area for eight years. Wow. And at that time, and then I went into medicine. So I, I got my, my, finished up my science degree and went into medicine. And uh, yeah. And here been, you are. Here I am. Yeah. And here you are. That's amazing. So chronic pain is, it's a massive issue in our society. And it has led to so many people ending up addicted to drugs and losing their livelihoods, losing their families, like mental health issues, like you name it. But you had mentioned earlier that, you know, when you first became interested in pain and chronic pain, you did a lot of traveling and you met with a lot of different people. And so what did you see in those travels? Like, I'm sure you saw the good, the bad and the ugly kind of thing. So well, what I, what I did is I, I focused on uh, people out there, physicians, therapists, physiotherapists, chiropractors, anyone that was getting results. Yeah. That's what I looked for. Yeah. Who is getting results. And then I would track them down and ask, can I come train with you? And I would go wherever I needed to, to train with these folks that were getting the results um, if you just stay in the mainstream training, you're often like really far behind, you know, just yeah. because it takes so long for knowledge to be translated into training programs and into physicians or therapists. 
So I was, I was, I'm, I'd rather go right to the front and, and find mm-hmm. out what is working. So I, like I said, I traveled the world to find and work with people that, that would um, help me have the best skills for my patients. And it gave me a, a you know, very, a mix of a cornucopia of skills I that I can pull so. from. Yeah. And I was pretty yeah. agnostic on, on what I used, what, what my philosophy is, what's best for this person in front of me based on their complexities and what they need. And so there's a real mix of, you know, very medical uh, procedures to very spiritual procedures. You know, the, like people's pain is, is complex. It is not, it, dealing with chronic pain is not a technical technician's job. It is you really have to figure out like, is this, is this, is this pain a physical pain? Is this a neuropathic pain? Is it a, is it a, you know, residual old pathway that's just still firing? Is it, yeah. is, it is it existential pain? Is it depression? Is it, I hate my job and I don't want to go back and the body's saying, okay, let's make it too painful to go back. You know, <laughs> yeah. let's, let's come like, up with the best excuse ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's complex. And so not it is zero one size fits all, but really listening to the patient and getting a sense of what it is yeah. um, makes a big difference. So what are the different modalities you came across that you felt were the most effective? Because it sounds like, you know, obviously I was really interested when you were talking about psychedelics, but that's, again, that's one tool in your toolkit. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the sounds of it, there are many tools in your toolkit, which makes total sense, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, even when I was in nutrition school, we, I can't remember the name of the doctor, but he, in working with people with chronic pain, he was doing brain imaging and he was showing on brain images the area of the brain that was just, it was almost caught in this endless loop and mm. he could find that spot. And sometimes to your point, like physically, there wasn't really anything wrong, which is where people go to the wrong doctor. And he's like, well, there's nothing wrong with you, you know? And he'll say it's in your head, which it actually is, but he doesn't mean it in the way that it is. So I'm curious about, you know, what are the different modalities that you were the most impressed with or that surprised you the most? And you've, you've kind of brought into your your practice as it were. Yeah, there was, I don't know that I was fully surprised about any of the modalities. I was, I was skeptical always. I was always skeptical. I like to show up with that skepticism and, and, and let the modality or the, or the person I'm working with um, convince me. Yeah. Uh, And of course, I mean, there's always a bias because I'm going to them. uh, Mm -hmm. So I, I, I have the feeling that they will help, but there is a lot of things. It really just depends on what people need. Sometimes, you know, it was really just the foundational stuff. People needed to know how to eat properly. They had to find a way to exercise in a way that they enjoyed moving their body, not thinking of it as exercise, but how do you like moving your body and getting out there and moving the body? You know, how many people have chronic pain because they sit on a couch all day and they never get out for a walk or a couch, sorry, not a coach. They never get out and hug a tree or, or, or just sit on a, you know, uh, in a meadow or, and watch bees landing on flowers. Like these little things change people's lives profoundly. A lot of people's pain is connection. So really I always started at the, at the foundation of what it is. Like, do, do they have the foundational habits to build a strong house on like yeah. fixing their body? And if they didn't, that was, you know, I try to slip that in the, in, in the cracks while doing, because, you know, people come in and they're like, you have to do something to me to get better. Absolutely. So, and so while I did something to them, tried to fill in the cracks about food, exercise, meditation, mindfulness, laughing, get, turn off the news. Like that was one of the things, if you're going to work with me, you have to turn off the news. You're allowed to watch comedy. That's it. 
you know, right. just rebuilding these things that we, we, everybody knows this stuff, mm-hmm. but you have to action it. Yeah. And the, and the reality of so many things within medicine is if people um, actioned the things that make us healthy, you would need doctors way less. Yeah. And, and so our job as doctors is to integrate that, to bring that in and say, look, you already know this stuff. And I'm going to tell you it to you again, only because I care deeply about you as my patient. And I want you to get better, mm-hmm. but I can't make you eat better. Yeah. You have to eat better. Um, I can't make you exercise. You have to move your body. I can't make you turn off the news, but if you laugh a lot more, you're going to feel better. And if you go, if you love pottery, then go hang out with people and do pottery, get connected mm-hmm. to people because connected people have less pain. So, and then there's some modalities, right? So sometimes it's, you know, it's structural. Sometimes they need to get their, their tensegrity back. I mean, their ability to move elastic, elastically. So that's, that's, you know, working with one of the massage therapists that I had at my clinic, like let's work on myofascial release or work with therapists that this is all they do, like role thing. Uh, you know, sometimes it was just simply that, like they were just, they just needed to get their, their movement back. Sometimes it was structurally. I work with um, some chiropractors at our elite level. They work with Olympians and, and professional athletes and they're, they're magical. Like they, they need to see a patient one or two times and they're done because they're yeah. that good. They're not on, they, they don't have this comeback philosophy. No, no, they go there, you fix them. And then they would come back to me and, you know, 80% of the time, the people I sent to the chiropractors or the massage therapists, the next time they came to me would be for a hug. Thank you. I'm done. Great. Bye. Wow. Like it would be, I wouldn't, they wouldn't have to see me anymore. So it's about knowing, you know, um, having the humility to know that you need a big team of people around you with other skill sets that I don't have to say, you know what, you don't need me. You need that person. Yeah. You don't need me. You need that person or, or go see that person and then come back because then build on what they've done so so also then also other techniques like you know when when does a person need um like perineural therapy which is an inject a very simple injection therapy with dextrose which works wonders Uh, when does somebody need prolotherapy so something that cause inflammation to tighten up things Mm -hmm. and you know many people when i started doing it they were like oh my god that's witchcraft what are you doing there's no proof for that well now i mean every olympian has probably had prolotherapy right um you know some of the stem cell cells i didn't really do much of that there were other people that were much better than me to do it i could send it to them and so it's it's really about that it's like what do you need to do what movements do you need to do what exercise do you need to do what change in your brain do you need to do and that's where the psychedelic came in for me mm-hmm. is I recognizing a lot of people we could get to this level but this next part was existential distress was trauma somatic trauma stored in the body um or looping thoughts you know or or just the basic human issues of I'm not good enough I don't deserve better things no one will love me if everybody knew my problems they'd hate me like mm-hmm. these things are ubiquitous out there and so com- like so common and so that's where the, the bringing in the psychedelic therapies really help take people to that next level. Yeah. Well, I love that you bring up trauma. I'm actually listening to a book, which I've been sitting on for the longest time, and I'm sure you're more than familiar with it called the body keeps the score. And I'm, you know, I'm walking and I'm listening to the book on audible because I, you know, when I'm sitting, I'm on my computer, I'm doing so many different things. So I use my dog walks to, to kind of listen to the book and it's infuriating. <laughs> The degree to the resistance in the system to the idea that early childhood adverse experience, like those adverse childhood experiences that are remembered or not remembered, 
what a massive impact that can have on a person's yeah. ability to function in the world. Um, yeah. It's, it is really, you know, and how in some people, you know, it shows up, I guess, in different ways. It'll show up as addiction. It'll show up as depression. It'll show up as whatever. And it can also show up as chronic pain. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and here's the thing too. I mean, sure, sure. The system has had inertia on this, but so what? We can yeah. dance around that, right? Oh yeah, We're, no, for we sure. Can just move around it, like, and go. Okay, this is what I need now. That yeah. now that I have this knowledge, now I need to action it. Absolutely. And say, well, well, because of people like you, yeah, who yeah. and there's who are a willing lot to look beyond. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. You know, in 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 any in any profession, you know, there's a portion that are at the leading edge. Yeah. There are a portion that's in the middle, and there's a portion at the tail. Always avoid the tail, people. Yeah. You know. Leave them in. The, don't worry about them. We can't. Yeah. We can't keep them up. They're never going to keep up to date. Don't worry about them. Like just let them go. Find somebody else. Um, I love that. And, uh, you, you know, like I, I always like this is a common thing. Like mm-hmm. if only the system. If we're the system. Yeah. We it. We're the ones. Like we are the ones we're waiting for. Right. That that. Mm-hmm. I think that's a roomy quote. Like uh, we are the ones that we've been waiting for. <laughs> yeah. like, we don't I have to put this on anyone. Just yeah. change it. Like find the right person, find the right community, and and don't try to change others. Like just don't leave them alone. They'll catch up when they're ready. Yeah, or not. Whatever. It's or not. It's, yeah, it's, it's not. I mean, it's with physician. Yeah, you you called it skepticism. I call it curiosity. I think that the best physicians never never lose their curiosity because yeah, it leaves exactly. them open to the possibility that either there's something they don't know or there's something new that can layer on to what they're already doing. So having that open mind and curious attitude and the willingness to, to believe there's something else is ultimately what makes the best physician or therapist or anything like in, in any area. So first, how did you come across psychedelics initially? Oh, well, you know, at self-disclosure, really, uh, you know, uh, they found me at 15 and okay. mushrooms did yeah. And, um, it's always been ceremonial for me, very ceremonial, very, um, thoughtful, very intentional and never really thought anything of it. Never really knew anything about the really bigger scheme of the state of the world and what people thought about it. It was just always in my life. And, um, but when it came to psychedelic, like medicines in medicine, yeah. it really came, it, it, you know, as I, as I, um, I had an opportunity to do some training, um, and, again, it was something I was really skeptical of, um, ketamine training. Mm -hmm. And I was like, whatever, ketamine, how could that help? And then I had my own personal experience in the training. And I was like, oh, this is really interesting, really unique. So I had a session and it was really, I was really blown away. I was, I went in skeptical and I was like, wow, it really made a difference. And um, I thought, you know, I really could see how this could be something I could bring into my chronic pain practice. And so I was working on doing that, bringing it into the chronic pain practice, thoughtfully finding the right therapist that could work, I could work with. And then, so we were, we were just doing this, like we're bringing it in and um, COVID hit. And so everything shut down, but uh, luckily, you know, this program Roots to Thrive, which was a nonprofit, um, we, we ended up chatting and they were a resiliency program that was already treating healthcare professionals and getting great results. And they were like, but, but we need to make it better. Are you, are you interested? So we put our heads together. We, we wrote, we wrote the program and added in psychedelic therapy to take it to the next level. And, um, and so then ever since then, I've been working with Roots to Thrive 
and we wrote it as a psychedelic assisted therapy program. We snuck it into a hospital. Uh, we got great results. We worked with nurses first and, um, you know, like, again, like uh, groups of people that have mental health issues, um, not because there's anything wrong with them, but, but like, I mean, they work so damn hard. Uh, and know, especially the last them. two years has oh, like demolished so that profession. Yeah. They take so much abuse and they, um, and there's chronic pain with them, with all the things they do, moving patients around. So anyways, we put it into the program and we saw, you know, benefits like nurses were going back to work. They're, PTSD was resolved, their depression was resolved, their anxiety was dropping. They had all these this big toolbox of skills because it's not just a psychedelic, it's a resiliency program, whole human health program. Yeah. And uh, and I knew I had found my home and I had found my people. Like my like seriously, uh, to be on a team where you absolutely adore every team member, there's mm-hmm. zero hierarchy. Um, we're all learning from each other. We're all leaning into conflict and, and problem solving. We're all there for the benefit of the patient and in in collaboration with the patient to um, always quality improve what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So the patients are always saying, hey, if you did this, it would be better. If you do this, it would be better. If you do this, it would be better. Um, all those things working together. Um, you know, it's, it's just great. And, and it's, like I said, it's written as a psychedelic program. So we have psilocybin in it now and we'll have that MDMA in it in the next year. And um, yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, it's amazing that you honed in on that one particular group of, of people because you're dealing with health professionals. So they'd be uniquely positioned to, to contribute to yeah. the program in a sense, because as a health professional, having an understanding, a deep understanding of human physiology and the body, they would be able to feed into your knowledge base as it were as a feedback mechanism, rather than, you know, not that this won't, this I'm sure has transformational benefits also just for anybody off the street, but mm-hmm. never mind the need of nurses, which and has always been high, but in the last two years has I don't know. I mean, exploded exponentially, Um, you know, and even their circadian disruption that they, that they, that is part of their job, like being in a hospital, which is an inherently not the healthiest environment (laughs) is it's quite amazing. So maybe we could back up a little bit. And for listeners who don't know what ketamine is, could we, could you just explain to people a little bit, what is ketamine? What does it do? How does it, how does it do what it does kind of thing? Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, I wish I knew that answer, but it does. Um, as far yeah. as you know. <laughs> as far as I know. Okay. So yeah, ketamine's been with us for a long time. So it, it was uh, discovered in the 60s. It was brought into use in the 70s, initially as a um, as an anesthetic for doing operations. Um, its psychedelic properties were noticed back then, but there was already the stigma around psychedelics. And so they actually called it a dissociative anesthetic when they probably could have called it a psychedelic-like medicine instead. Yeah. Um, it's so safe. It's on the WHO list of essential medicines. Um, and, uh, you know, we send any of our, 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 our um, military folks, they get, they go with the ketamine because they astringent ketamine so that if they happen to have an injury, they can self-inject. So it's that safe. It, it doesn't cause any challenge with breathing. Uh, you can do operations on it very safely. It's considered the go-to in trauma. Mm. And so we've been using it for a long time, but even that far back as the seventies, there was some noticing of that. It had some mental health benefits around uh, depression 
and more, and around alcohol use um, in the in the former Soviet Union. Dr. Uh, Kukrinsky was using it there for alcohol use disorder, and, and later on he moved to North America, was doing it. There was a number of Mexican physicians that were using it for mental health wellness, or well, we say wellness now, but mental health challenges, psychiatric issues back then, yeah. as we would have said. And it's, it's gained... Um, it's gained uh, use because it has this rapid acting antidepressant effect. And in some people it has an anti-anxiety effect and it, and it, it, you know, allows people to get into this mind manifesting state of this, this psychedelic like medicine where, you know, they can, you know, reset in, in a lot of ways, like, you know, if they have, um, you know, uh, perseverating thoughts, looping thoughts, uh, the ketamine can help break that can help them go, Oh, do I really need to, be replaying this trauma over and over. In some cases, it can give insight. They can say, oh, under this under ketamine, they can go, I can see uh, why that abuse happened. And I also know it's no longer happening anymore. Um, and I can see that it wasn't my fault. So I can let that go. And you get these insights of the bigger brain. It's, it's kind of the way I explain it. It's not, it's, it's not, the, the explanation I use is, is to help it land with my patients. Yeah. Now, I would use it with my, with my scientific colleagues, but it, it's like, you know, um, you know, if you think of like a, um, for some people, they uh, um, going snowboarding or skiing and thousands of people have gone down and there's all these ruts. It can be like a snowplow going down, clearing the slopes and allowing you to make new pathways. Right. And so just having that, you know, whether it is, um, just needing to bring down the cortisol enough so that the drop that just even the momentary drop in the mood, you know, or the overwhelm or whatever, and, and, and done with skilled therapists, people that can help integrate and, and give meaning and then move on. And then right. a lot of people can also cut the tethers to the old story of I'm not good enough. I'm not, I don't deserve good things. I, I'm not worthy of this. I'm only, this only, these things only happen to me or I'm the only one that's ever been abused. I'm the only one that's ever, you know, I'm the only doctor in the world that can't go back to work because I'm burnt out, you know, like all right. these, they're just stories, right? Yeah. There's this, the, yeah, it's the story in your head for they're sure. Not true. Yeah. No, they're not true. And so there's this ability like many psychedelics to just get this bigger view, like, Oh, in context, my response yeah. is normal in context. I'm not that person anymore in context, you know, like it gives a context to stuff. And also uh, ketamine also has, um, you know, it's used in chronic pain. You know, we do, we do ketamine infusions for people that have complex regional pain syndromes um, and help like basically, you know, um, reset, reset. So people can get out of these, these long, big pain looping uh, processes. And, uh, but then you marry them together. So you've got somebody that's got, you know, maybe trauma and chronic pain, and you kind of get the best of both worlds. But however, in some cases, the uh, cautionary note is that in some people, their pain actually does get worse uh, with, with ketamine. And, and what we're finding, we follow that very closely. What we're finding is sometimes people are, just, they feel their pain, but they're numb, but they feel mm. their pain. And then as the numbness recedes, they really feel the pain. trauma, then they really feel the pain. But then on the other hand, that's good because now they're really feeling they're not numb. They're not dissociating from their own body. They're getting back in their body. They start can, can start giving meaning to that integration to it. And then when you can do that, you can move forward. Right. You can move forward so you're basically at that point dealing with the physical aspect of the pain. You've taken the, the, 
the brain, what's happening in the brain or the emotions, you've kind of moved that out. You've, you've kind of cleared the path mm-hmm. maybe to. And, and it's complex, right? It's, it's way more calm. I think, I think. Oh, yeah, um, this is, this is, these are all gross over simplification. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. And, and, and it, it's probably completely wrong in a way, like we'll probably find out in five or 10 years that how we've been explaining it is completely wrong. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm okay to be wrong. I don't, I don't, as long as we're getting the results, if people mm-hmm. are getting wise back, and it's okay. Well, I'm okay not to fully understand the mechanism of action. Yeah. As long as like really ultimately the result is, are you better? Mm-hmm. Can you go back? Can you do what you want to do in life? Can you, can you be the human you want to be? And it's, I think it's okay for those of us to be like, that are still doing the science, still doing the research is to be very curious and be okay if we're not exactly on, if we don't know exactly what the mechanism of action is. And in fact, most of the time we don't know the mechanisms of action of what we're doing i think one way to one word to explain that is called humility (laughs) it's being humble enough to know that that you don't have all the answers and that i mean what's amazing is that you're able to identify the things that work and apply them even without having a full you know the and i mean you know when it comes to the human body how much how much do we really truly understand completely Totally. We've been working on the biome for like 20 years and we still don't know the optimal biome. No. You know, yeah, uh, exactly. 20 plus years. Like we have all sorts of businesses selling all sorts of products saying this is what you need. And, and the reality is the scientists that are deep in it still don't know what the optimal biome is for the, like, what's the optimal skin biome? What's the optimal gut biome? What's the optimal mouth biome? What's the optimal vaginal biome? Like yeah. nobody yeah. really fully, fully knows. Yeah, but I think, I mean, to your point that you made earlier is the people who are on the forefront using these things know that what's going to happen is they're going to apply whatever new learning we've gotten. It's going to hit with some people. It's going to totally miss the mark with others. And it's almost like you kind of get to help people in batches as you find something new that's going to hit the mark. for. It's like nootropics, right? Like you take a nootropic formula. For me, it really lights up my brain for the next guy does nothing. Exactly. Right. So whatever pathways needed support for me got the help. And in this person, it's a different set of circumstances and it doesn't land. And I think the good companies know that, um, yeah. you know, there's one in particular, they're like, look, if it doesn't work for you after 30 days, we'll give you your money back. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. it's all good. We're, yeah, everyone's, we're good. Different. everyone's different, right? Everyone's eating different. Everyone's and getting different amount of sunlight, different exercise. And yeah, so we, that's the challenge, right? We're always trying to find this one size fits all. If everyone does, if everyone just did this, well, if everyone just, if it was that simple, what a boring world. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Although maybe we'd get to help more people. So you mentioned ketamine, psilocybin, and NDMA. So mm-hmm. clearly these are all three very different therapies that have, do they, do you find that like ketamine will work for some people for trauma versus other people need psilocybin or do they have different applications because they're different therapies? A lot of that we're still figuring out. You know, our, our program, so we the way we delineate it in our program right now, ketamine is, you know, a legal prescribable, prescribable medication. So we use that in our primary program, the Roots to Thrive program. That's what we use. And then we have, we also have a roots to thrive non-ketamine. So people that don't want to do any medicine, but want to do the resiliency program. And then we have the roots to thrive psilocybin, which is for uh, people with end of life distress. So we have to get a special exemption from the health minister on that. We have to get a special access and that's, that's challenging right now. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you know, it changes bit by bit. We, we got, uh, first off, we got section 56 exemptions for our first set of patients. And we do only group therapy, by the way, because we feel like people heal faster in community together. Yeah. All of us, all of us have done one-on-one therapy with psychedelics. All of us have done uh, dyad work with psychedelics. That's just a model. And it's not the model we use. We, we feel like people need connection, love, um, collaboration. They need, they need community to heal with. Mm-hmm. And all of us have seen that in group. Yeah. People yeah. heal faster and, yeah. and, they hold each other to their healing more. Yeah. I mean, so when, plus they don't feel alone, right? Like I'm not the only one with this program, like all problem, like already right out of the gate, feeling so isolated. And, you know, people who have these problems end up closed up in an apartment, in a room, feeling mm-hmm. completely cut off from the rest yeah. of the world, yeah. um, and which yeah, has got to be a part of the trauma that, that they're yeah. going through. And they're not alone. Like yeah. nobody, nothing anyone is experiencing on this planet. Are they the only one? Yeah. Like it does not. And, and when you get siloed like that, you think you're the only one and no, they get in these groups and they're like, oh, wow, that person has a lot of shame and I really like them. So maybe I'm likable too. And they, they hold each other like in this really lovely way they get, and you, you just see it like as, as, as a physician or, or a therapist or any of our, our team members, you know, we're like, we're like, wow, <laughs> like we did. week to week, we see massive changes. Yeah. Well, so, it's the light and it's the light in your work, right? I mean, cause you see so much darkness and so much pain and, you know, in order not to get swallowed up by that, it's what you see coming out of it is gotta be the thing yeah, that yeah. just is so inspiring and, and keeps you moving in the right direction. So, so for psilocybin, you said that right now it's being used mostly for end of life application. I watched a movie not too long ago, and I actually think it was shot in Vancouver, and it was about a young, I'm sure you know this movie, it was about a young woman who had a serious crack addiction to drugs. I can't remember yeah, what it was. It was and it, hmm? Yes, yes. And, it, and in the yeah. end, it was psilocybin that, and, and, it's, and it's fraught, politically, it's a, such a charged issue because now is psilocybin now finally legalized in Canada for treating addiction or still not yet? No, well, and that's a great movie, Dosed. If you haven't yeah. seen it, it's, it's really lovely done. And I believe they have a second one out now called Dose too. Um, but uh, yeah, psilocybin has a lot more uses in the way we use it. Um, mm-hmm. we're, we've just started because with the palliative part because it's hard, it's hard to be denied medicine when you're palliative, right? So we can make a really strong argument. Um, There's also, even before the war on drugs, there was strong evidence that psilocybin helped with addiction, alcohol, um, and and many other things, obviously. I mean, many many of the the big studies right now are around depression. Uh, There's there's 97 97 clinical trials registered right now on psilocybin for multiple uses from um, eating disorders, opioid use disorders, substance use disorders, um, depression, anxiety, um, and probably more that I'm missing, um, mm-hmm. disordered eating. And, uh, so there's a lot of things, but I mean, I think when you really look at, um, you know, talking about, uh, Vessel van der Kolk's, uh, book that you brought up when, um, uh, the body keeps the score. Thank you. No worries. Um, I can't yeah. remember his name. And, so and I got the Gabor, title. <laughs> yeah. And Dr. Gabor Mate wrote on this like over a decade ago too. Um, uh, and uh, oh no, when uh, when the body says no, and then the body keeps the score. You know, you know the the root of many of these things is trauma. You know, yeah. and if we, if we if we ignore the symptom, which is what we do in the program, we don't care about your symptoms. What's what's the seed 
to get mm-hmm. you better. And if mm-hmm. we deal with the seed to get people better, again, building a strong foundation, the program's multifactorial for whether it's psilocybin or, or ketamine or MDMA in the future. But when we get to that trauma, whatever medicine, because it goes back to which med- you asked earlier, which medicine for what? Well, who knows? And and uh, the bias is going to always be in, in practitioners is what what does our experience tell us works? Yeah. And so my bias is basically what I've seen. Mm-hmm. Somebody else's bias is going to be what they've seen. And, but regardless, if we've got the patient's uh, interest at the center and go, what is the seed of that trauma? Mm-hmm. What are, how can you take it a few steps forward? How can you feel a tiny bit better? Then the symptoms, the eating disorder starts to come down. In some people, it disappears. In other people, it's much more deeper and needs more work. Yeah. Um, same with the chronic pain. If you deal with the, if you deal with the, the, um, the seed of the trauma, then the somatic disappears. Um, so there's, you know, it's, it's really interesting. So in our case, we use what's, what's available. Mm-hmm. And then as these other medicines become available, then we'll use them thoughtfully in that and in, in really thoughtfully, like what is in the patient's best interest, not is not what in our, inter, not what, not what is in our interest. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons we, we create, we, we turned ourselves into a nonprofit. Yeah. We, we wanted it to be zero profit. Like we, we said, anything, any extra dollars every time goes into scholarships for the next group. So it's always a break even. And that's, you know, energetically and uh, morally, that feels right. That, yeah. that there should not be profit made on healing. That's so amazing. Not everybody that's, agrees with that, but that's just, again, that's our bias. That's just our bias. Other people can do what they want. Well, it gives you freedom. You know, at the end of the day, it gives you full freedom. You're not tethered to a company trying to prove that something works or whatever, right? Yeah. You're, 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 you keep that curiosity fan as wide open as possible to be able to catch anything that comes into your sphere of, of awareness. Yes, yeah. is the best yeah. way to put it. So with the ketamine, and I'm, I'm going to guess that it's, it's rarely a one and done. Like, I mean, I would imagine this is like a process of, you know, if ever there was a peeling back of the onion, this is, this is what this is about. Really. It's about sitting with people and holding space for them and helping them because you're really guiding them at some level, right? Yeah. We're facilitating their healing. We tell them very bluntly, you're your healer. We're not your healer. There's no such thing as somebody else being somebody's healer. We heal ourselves, period. Love that. We were, we do like that we stand strong on that you are your own healer um and we're facilitators of that so we help we offer we set the buffet table of options yeah we, we say you know you could do this you could do that we we only offer things that we know work we don't mm-hmm. offer crap we like this is these are the things that move you forward you pick up what you can and start there yeah. half a step forward any step forward works. You're not going to go backwards. Once you know something, you know something. You cannot unknow something you know. So whatever you learn in your psychedelic therapy session, whatever you bring forward in your integration, uh, whatever change in your eating habits or your exercise or getting in nature is now your new, that's your new level. And you're always proceeding from that level. And sure, more trauma may come up in your life. Sure, there may be something else that sets you, it doesn't set you back. It just is, doesn't takes you from where you want to be. But now you have this new knowing. Yeah. yeah. And you can action that. And so that's, that's our whole philosophy is that is, is we're offering stuff, mm-hmm. stuff that works, but ultimately people have to become a superhero. They have to, they have to go. I am, I am the one that's yeah. in charge of my healing and I can, I can solicit others help 
but I ultimately have to see that I am responsible. Otherwise, people are externalizing, you know, I'm broken because that person did this. I'm broken because that person did this. I'm, I'm not better because of that doctor or, or that. Well, you're on the team. Like you're, you're, the, you're the consistent person on your team. So you have to be your own superhero, your own healer, and use the rest of us in, in use in a, in a, a collaborative way. Yeah. Yeah. What, what we can offer and, and take every little piece into your healing that helps, even if it's 1% here, 2% there, 7% there, there's very rarely a home run. So like you said, peeling off these layers, like, okay, let's get this layer off. And now what, now who am I? Now what do I need? Oh, that. Okay, great. Let's bring that into my life. Take off that layer. And now what do I need? Take that. And so it's that that complexity of people being able to do it and then take, take it back, you know, Hey folks, I just had to interrupt to tell you about a new development in the molecular hydrogen space. You guys know that I love molecular hydrogen and that I use it every single day. And when it comes to my hydrogen, I choose rejuvenation from Drink HRW because of the rigorous testing, clinical trials, and their mission to create products backed by science. Well, Drink HRW recently came out with a new hydrogen tablet that I am so excited to tell you about because it's got all of the same benefits of rejuvenation. It combats excess oxygen oxidative stress, it supports healthy aging, and so much more. But this new tablet has a special ingredient called Immunol P20, which works alongside hydrogen to deliver even more benefits. The newest tablet is called Harmony because it does just that. It brings the processes in the body into harmony while supporting respiratory health, maintaining well-being when under stress, and improving metabolic function. I love the feeling of confidence in my health when I think about facing this upcoming fall and winter, knowing that I have support behind my immune and metabolic systems. So I've teamed up with Drink HRW to bring you a special deal that you can only get here. Just use code longevity to save 15% at drinkhrw.com forward slash superhuman and be sure to grab Harmony, which I've been obsessed with since I started using it a month ago. Again, that's longevity at drinkhrw.com forward slash superhuman to save 15%. Yeah. Well, the empowerment that you're, the the empowering of the individual, which I think so many people lose, right? Because either they've been told or they've grown, you know, we, we we're, I think less so now, I think it's changing. People are becoming, they're taking back ownership of their, of their health and their Mm -hmm. outcome. They're less willing to hand it over, but there's still a huge generation of people. And frankly, I always think that it's scary to people to how to hold that power right? Unless you're working with the right practitioners, it's a big responsibility. And wouldn't it be so much easier if you could just say, oh, that person's going to fix me <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. at some level, it's, it's reassuming that and assuming it in a positive way, like, like you're saying, like be your own superhero. And it yeah. doesn't mean you have to have all the answers, no. but you're yeah. the captain of the ship here. You're the one living in the vessel. So exactly. exactly. And you know, and it, that may irritate people to hear that. Mm-hmm. And if it irritates for the people that it is irritating to hear this, it's okay. You'll get it. Yeah. Like one day you'll turn a corner and go, Oh, I totally get what they were talking about. And, yeah. and we'll, we're going to cheerlead you all the way till you get there. Um, but you have to, you have to look out in the world and go, what is the, what is the one thing I can do today? That'll make it a little bit better. And even if, if, even if the trauma and the, the insanity and the grief is, is overwhelming, you know, breathe. breathe start there start there with breath start there start with podcasts of of people that can take you forward 
in that forward, not backwards. Like you don't want to be wallowing and, and with other people that are taking you down. Like you want to be going, what, what is, what takes me a little bit up, not down. Yeah. And uh, it's, it is step-by-step, but uh, I promise people like our whole team has come from our own challenges. And so we deeply know this and that's why we're like, we're so like, we're on your side. We got this. You're going to get it. Just got to find the right combination of things for each person. And then they get there. And that, again, this is why we're such, um, we're kind of evangelical about group work. You know, yeah. because yeah. your team is so multidisciplinary. So you've got me, the doc, we've got psychiatrists, we've got psychologists, we've got nurses, we've got therapists, we've got somatic body workers, energy workers, we've got indigenous elders, we've got indigenous knowledge keepers, and we all hold that container. Wow. And all that knowledge comes together. And you can see how when you have every, every possibility, we have functional medicine experts, we have sleep experts, we have palliative care experts, and we all work in a non-hierarchical way to say, what does that person need? What does that person need? And then those people start to get their power and go, oh, I need a little bit of that, a little bit of that, and do that. And then they get to the point where they don't need us. And so the, again, back to the layers, who knows? Some people, their layers fly off. They're yeah. good. They do like one or two sessions, three sessions, and they're like, I'm good. Bye. And other people, you know, seven, eight, but we don't, we don't, again, we're not a technical, technical thing. Like it's mm-hmm. like you need as a person and you're not other people. So you don't sign up for like six sessions. You know, it's like, here's the program complexity. And then as you leave the program, you go into the alumni and what do you need as an alumni to take you to the next level? I love it. And, uh, yeah, it's it's a really wonderful model because people are getting to yeah they're getting what they need and and while they're at the while they're at the beginning of it they're held by a really strong team and I encourage everybody that's that's therapists like get on teams work on teams do some group work because that's what you learn. Well, it's funny you mentioned, yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because I'm sitting here thinking like almost any medical practice should work this way, no matter what you're dealing with, whether it's chronic pain or whatever, because very, I mean, maybe there's some simple things, obviously, but even in coaching, we, you know, as a health coach, I've seen that group coaching can be very effective because people form friendships and bonds and they, as you said, Mm -hmm. like they hold each other up, they encourage each other, they cheer each other on. They learn from each other. I mean, we don't have all the answers, you know, so there's so much information out in the world right now. It is, it is kind of amazing how the right group of people, I actually had a women's retreat at the end of March and, you know, a completely disparate group of women came together, except for one couple, one, two women came together as friends. And I was, and I'm blown away to this day of the way that they've remained connected Oh yeah. And and it was, you know, I mean, we threw them into an ice bath when they came off the plane, which I think helped. (laughs) You convince your brain you're about to die. All of a sudden people around you are your new best friends because you didn't die. (laughs) Yeah. That shared experience. We see that all the time with the psychedelic medicine, even without the psychedelic medicines. We know that once at week four is the first psychedelic journey together as a group. And we see them like after it, they're family. Yeah. In a good way. Yeah. It's not, it's not, it's, and, Codependence and <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's like, they're, they're holding each other. And, and, you know, it's interesting because in, in the one-on-one work, 
you know, it, it, when you look and, and again, this will, this will just bug the therapist and, and I'm sorry, but it's true is that it's transactional, right? It is very, of course, like the, but, um, you know, but in the group work, like it's still transactional because, you know, the therapists are still being paid and, but the patients are not right. They're not paid to be there. They're not paid to say, you know what, maybe, maybe you don't think you've moved, but I've never seen you smile so much right since we've been in this group for three weeks together and you are so much more expressive and so much brighter than the first day you saw like you didn't even look up and now look at you you're sitting up tall so those things that a therapist or a coach or a physician or a psychiatrist you know can tell someone and the patient well they'll believe us because we don't lie about it Mm -hmm. but when when others in a group that are traveling that same challenging journey say that to you and they're like no 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 and they're even more blunt than sometimes that's yeah. what it could be right they're like right. no no sister <laughs> you're wrong you are better look at you you know you are articulate you you are making you are laughing you know all these things so anyways the group work is amazing and then again for our own professional um growth working with others and seeing how they work and mm-hmm. seeing what we like and what we don't like gives us our opportunity to grow. Absolutely. Because that tension is where you grow. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, and I mean, I love working even when in my one-on-one work with clients, I love working with other, with a doctor for men's mm-hmm. and medical mm-hmm. oversight or, and I've learned, you know, it's funny. It's like the more experience you get, the more you grow up, the more willing you are to con- to refer someone to someone else in another area, right? At the beginning, when you're a baby coach, you're like, okay, I got to know everything. I need to have all the answers. (laughs) And as you mature, you're like, no, you know, I can't be an expert in all the things. So you build your network of other professionals. And I think, I mean, to bring that to bear in the work that you're doing here is got to be so powerful and coming across because there's always new modalities, right? That you come, you will come across that you'll be like, Hmm. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Let's see if this fits, but uh, there's one thing I wanted to talk about a little bit. You mentioned that you tap into indigenous elders. Mm -hmm. Um, Is that because you work with indigenous communities or is that, or do you find that, I mean, I'm sure they do bring incredible wisdom. Will you have them working with people who are also not indigenous as well? Yeah. Well, actually right from the, right from the very beginning of our program, we had um, uh, Geraldine Manson, who is, who is our Indigenous lead, and she's an elder in the community, and she's an elder on our team. Mm-hmm. And we've had, um, uh, we have uh, First Nations, other wisdom keepers on our team. And it's not, we're not tapping into them. They're just part of the team. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, I'm, I'm, it's just, it's, you don't yeah. hear about that, right? I mean, yeah. to, to come across someone who's, who frankly respects and and brings into the fold the wisdom that they have and the knowledge that they have, which is so deep, which has got oh, it. It's essential. Like, uh, you know, on one level, we're, we're of course all indigenous to the planet. Sure. Uh, some of us are much further away from our original places than, than others, but you know, we, um, you know, we, we are, we are respectful that we are visitors to the land here, like new visitors and that we need to respect the ways that the folks that were here prior to us. Um, and, you know, Canada's history is not spectacular at all. And so this is our work to, to contribute to healing um, as well. And, you know, we, we see it as what, it, what we call it, well, what it is called, it, it, the, 
and we we embrace it fully as two-eyed seeing, is what are the traditional ways seeing from one eye and what are the Western ways seeing from the other eye and how do we co-create something better that uses the best of everything. And, and um, you know, our, our, our advisors are saying like, you know what, we've always, we've always done this. Like always, we've always taken the best as we meet other people. Oh, you know, your tools are better. Let's use your tools. Let's not go back. Like what? We don't have to stay using this when this is better. Exactly. And so we're just moving yeah. So weaving them together, finding what's best and creating a new modality, letting go of what doesn't serve, uh, taking in what does serve and, and is, is useful. And so there, everybody's there. Like, so everybody's, and we have multiple cultures on our team. Yeah. We have multiple uh, viewpoints. We don't all agree on things, but we know how to lovingly lean into the tension and move through those challenges um, for the whole program. You know, we have, we have shakeups and we're like, ah, and then we come back together and say, because we fundamentally care deeply about each other, we can figure this out. And um, yeah, so it, it's just the weaving together. And we, we work, um, um, we currently run our program out of the uh, First Nations Health Center mm-hmm. as their guests. All of our psychedelic programming um, is in their center. And it's been such a privilege to be there. And we have many of their members that come through the program. Many elders come through our program. Um, and the end, then it's a it's quality improvement constantly because we're like, oh, well, we would prefer this and we would like this. And so it's a co-creating of a better, of something better that, that suits them mm-hmm. um, and how they want to uh, um you know, facilitate the healing of their own community. And we're just, we're just there again. It's, it's a collaboration. It's a, it's, it's like, we're all, all hands on deck to help. And, and it's really nice because when we did, we ran, when we did our first, um, our first sessions at their center in next door in the longhouse, they were drumming. And so, you know, we could feel the drumming happening in set in the beginning of our ceremony. So it was absolutely wonderful. And, you know, we mess up and we, and we course correct and, and we're just humans and we're humans. I love the saying, I can't remember who said it. Um, I should, I should memorize his name, but it's, it's really, um, you know, we're all humans trying to, we're all humans trying to become better humans so we can be better to other humans. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we want to, that's what we want to do. And, um, and so, yeah, it's, it's a, that team really, it just, really, really helps. And, and like you said, like, you know, um, and I think it's even more important, like early on, early on in people's careers, find, find elders and others around you that can mentor you and, and create teams. And we don't have to wait till we get older and realize we don't know anything. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, it's all what you're exposed to along the way. Right. I do think that the earlier you, and I mean, most people have a mentor at some point, but finding, you know, it's like finding the right therapist or finding the right mentor. I mean, you know, you can find a therapist that seems to be a good fit. Sometimes I find you get to know your therapist a little too well and they become like, you know, there's, it becomes too close, right? Yeah. You lose that. It, it same with mentors, whether they're business or 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 otherwise. Um, I just thought on that. I just want to put out there that that is controversial for some people, but it's like, how long should you have a therapist? Yeah. How long should you have a counselor? Yeah. Like really? Like seriously? Like we have people that have had the same psychiatrist for twelve years, and we're like, what the hell? Like, have you like clearly they're not effective because you're coming into our program. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like what have you, you, and we've had that so many times. So I think that's a, again, that critical look 
at ourselves. You know, in my pain clinic, there was a number of visits at which I was like, you have to be drastically better for mm-hmm. you to keep coming here. Like we have to be working on, like if people were not progressing with me, I'd have to stop and say, I am not helping you. We have got to find you somebody better than me, right? Yeah. Like they should not be, there should be a finite number of, of things that people are doing. Like they should be graduating from our skill set. Yeah, I think, absolutely. You know, and, yeah. and that's, that's the challenge of, of um, the financial interaction. But if we all, if we all strive to be, to constantly be better so that the people that are coming in to get our services only need us for a finite amount of time. Yeah. Then new people can come in. Absolutely. Right. And because they will come in because you're good. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Well, and, and you get comfortable, right? So, so for the roots to thrive, I want to get back to the program because you know, it, this, this is, this is just an amazing program. So I would imagine that for people to benefit from your program, they have to be on site. Like this isn't a Zoom call. I mean, can yeah, actually, therapy. No, it, do you do remote then, work as yeah, well? Well, we changed everything, right? So we had to <laughs> experiment with everything. And so what we did is we transitioned the program online. So it's 12 oh, weeks wow. online, Yeah. but the, psych- the three psychedelic experiences are in person. So we have people from all over North America that tune in to their group, the, the group work online everybody does doesn't matter if they're in the same community or not yeah we're online with the small groups it works remarkably well we were very skeptical or it's not going to work as well but in fact we've kept the program online because it works so well wow and and the nice thing is that people that have a lot of anxiety Mm -hmm. like how better to do group work than on your own couch with your cat and your cup of tea and you can sit as close or as far to the screen as you want. Yeah. Um, and it actually, the feedback has been really remarkable. We were surprised. And I love that when we're surprised. That's where, again, learning happens. You're learning. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then they come on site. They come uh, for the weekends. So they'll, many people fly in um, and will stay for a week because we do one session on one weekend. There's a week to integrate another session. And then there's two weeks in between. Yeah. And then the third session. And then all the integrations are online. All the um, meetings are online. Wow. Um, all the support is online and it's a full wraparound. So as people are integrating and some people are, some people do fantastic. Some people need a little bit more wraparound. So the team is there for that. And that's, that's again, the, 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 um, the, the wonderfulness of a, of a team is that, you know, if, if, if it was just me doing the therapy, then I'm, I'm full on for doing all the 24 hour on call, follow up, you know, as things are shaking up and resettling, whereas on the team, we're all holding that. So yeah. every, so, you know, this person might be doing this and I might be doing that, but we're not having to do all of it. Yeah. And that's really nice. It gives the participants a little bit of, um, you know, their own autonomy. It's like, you know, I need to talk to Pam, or I need to talk to Todd, or I need to talk to Shannon or Phil, and they can decide who they need to connect with um, to help and get them through the little shakeup. So, yeah. So, it, so we have people from all across North America. That I, love are in our I love it. And so is there a vision at some point to expand this program so that you can have other programs like your program in other places? I mean, you know, cause you're still only one program. You well, we actually have, do have satellites. Yeah, you do. No, our, our, we built the program on purpose to be, um, 
to be able to um, scale it out. We knew that like this has to happen everywhere. As you know, there's therapy yeah. happening all over and we have to have the best therapy at the best level. So we built it to be that way. And so we do have satellite groups now. We've, we've trained a number of satellite groups. So first off, they come through the program to experience what we're creating. So the team, their team comes through our program and then, and then they come on the other side and see the, op- the operations and the logistics, how we, how we determine what each week is, how we determine the supports needed, how we, we like, you know, who we accept into the program, who we decline um, and all of that. And then we mentor them um, in their own program so that they can create their own program in their own, what the culture of where they live. Yeah. And, uh, and so their, their participants still come online with ours, Oh wow! except when they break into the small groups, they go into the Whistler group yeah. or the Squamish group or the Fraser Valley group or the New York group. Yeah. So they go into their own group and that group of healthcare, the healthcare team there in that satellite group also do the psychedelic sessions, Perfect. but they get the benefit of the bigger group. So they're, they're in the meetings with the bigger group of our group of our professionals learning and we're cross-pollinating knowledge again. So the satellite group is learning things that maybe we didn't know. And they're like, Hey, we've done this. It works better. So everybody's getting elevated to the best. That's amazing. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah, So that was our intention right from the beginning is to say, okay, come feel what we've made. So you know what you're recreating and everybody, everybody needs to, have the opportunity to do their own, you know, work to be yeah. held and, and really just find that nourishing spot in them. And yeah. so, yeah, that was my intention right from the beginning. That's me. I, I love that. And I love the, the approach to, you know, it makes so much sense with the psychedelic therapy, with the ketamine and the psilocybin, that it's really just one spoke of the wheel. I mean, it's a powerful yeah. spoke and it moves the needle in ways that probably nothing else can. But the, the way you've built this to be so holistic in so many yeah. different areas is, is really amazing, right? I think that's, it, and, it, and it gives more credence in a way. Like it's easier to break down the stigmas when you're saying, mm-hmm. look, this is just a tool. We're not, this isn't our crutch. This isn't the one thing. Yeah. This is a piece of a very powerful program. I wanted to ask you just before we, we cut out, like how, you know, it's funny that we're having this conversation today. Yesterday I was at an event and came across a woman that I've known for a long time who is riddled with pain, like legitimately, you know, has had two knee replacements, two hip replacements. Now the arthritis is settling into her back. It's, it's just like they're chasing the problem. And, and I know, you know, and this is a person who lives in a high rise downtown. There's very little nature in their lives. Um, and I'm, you know, there's from a, from a lifestyle perspective, there's a whole lot of wine and I don't know what the diet's like, the whole nine yards, but, but the, that disconnect from nature. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously there's a physio, there are physiological issues in her case that have to be addressed, mm-hmm. like the inflammation and, and whatever the drivers are of, of the, the process that's happening in the joints. But beyond that, like how powerful are you finding like this whole connection to nature thing? Oh, yeah. Because to me, Absolutely. if I could get her barefoot in the grass once mm-hmm. a day, like go find a patch of grass somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. If you want a different outcome, you need to do something different. 
Yeah, right? absolutely. And the, actually, there's one thing I want to go back to the program about that I think is really important. Yeah. But another gap here is the program is not just uh, service delivery, like not just therapy, but we also have two other arms. We have the training. So we're attached to a university. We're training professionals to do this. I love it. So, yeah. so, if, so the Vancouver Island University Postgraduate Certificate in Psychedelic Assisted Therapy is, is a comprehensive program for people to say, okay, I have all these skills. I'm a therapist mm-hmm. or I'm a social worker. I'm a doctor. I'm a nurse, whatever. And now you're going to come together and learn with others. What is the cutting edge? Uh, what is the historical? What is the traditional? What is it? Where are we at now? And how do we go forward thoughtfully in community if we're going to offer these therapies? So we're connected to an academic institution. Yeah. And then over here, we're also attached to a research uh, we have a whole research team. So we're mm-hmm. publishing on our results. So so when we talk about, um, like, so not only do we have great results, but we're yeah. publishing on it and we're telling others, like, this is what we're doing. This program in this way is getting these results. So we have a firefighter study coming up. We have veterans going through our program. We published on the nursing stuff already in Frontiers of Psychiatry. Um, and we're c- continuing. But what we're doing is we're not not doing, you know, the placebo double blind control trial because the results are so good that yeah. it would be unethical to put anybody in placebo in our program. Yeah, for sure. So what we're doing is pragmatic trials is mm-hmm. we're saying this is what we're doing in the real world. This is the real world protocol and these are the real world results and we're publishing yeah. on that and that will help other folks around the world be able to say if you do really high quality like what well, if you if you replicate what we're doing you will get these results yep. and that should help policymakers to mm-hmm. go this is legitimate work and if you do it in a way that gets these results you should get funded yep. and we already have insurance companies funding us so we have workers compensation Love is it. now funding people to go through our program uh, we're working with um, veterans to get them covered we're working with the rcmp to get them covered and uh, you know it's it's these are people that are basically about to get written off you yeah know, no and this is so smart like it's so and in a sense as holistic as your program is is how holistic the program of the pro like the holding of the program is you know having the affiliation with the university having the affiliation to this research like that is it's an it's its own ecosystem in a sense that is designed to expand mm-hmm. right like it's you're you've created this whole system that is designed by its very nature to be replicated to be to seed the world if it were, as it were well, and to calm and do exactly what we do in the therapy is to calm the nervous systems yeah. right? to calm the nervous systems of the policymakers that yes. can be, that they can be courageous and fund this type of medicine, be calm the nervous systems of the people coming into our program and calm the nervous systems of people that are training in this to go, oh, I can do this in community on teams and do it well, really, really well. Yeah, yeah, no, I love it. And I think it's amazing. So as we're, you know, kind of starting to wind down here, I want to respect your time. Is there anything else you'd like to say to the audience and or as well as how do they learn more about the program? If it's something, whether they're a practitioner or a person on their own health journey, let's say I'm not even going to call them a patient. I'm just going to say, you know, a person who's pursuing their own health journey, how do they learn more about the program from both sides or a researcher? I mean, we got all kinds of listeners. Yeah, thanks. So we actually, I love how you said that. Um, we actually call the people that come into our program participants. 
Nice. Yeah, that's that's that seems the most logical word right now. Yeah. Um, so it's it's very simple. Roots to Thrive dot com. Yeah, uh, it is a nonprofit. Um, so uh, you know we run on all cylinders, a lot of volunteer hours and, and stuff. So um, they can always reach out on the website. Uh, practitioners can can connect on the website too if they need more information, um, and people can apply to the program through the through it. Or and also look for, you know, if if there's something in their area, we can let them know. Um, yeah, just amazing. I love this. This has been the best conversation, Pamela. I'm so grateful that I persisted and finally made it to the top <laughs> of your inbox. <laughs> can be well, thank you. well, thank you. Well, I, you know, I, I feel honored to be in this time and space and to be on the team. Like I'm, you know, I'm the happiest I've ever been as a physician. I'm, I'm the most nourished I've ever been as a physician to work with a team like this and also participants that are always getting better you know, up and down, but they get, they always are a better version of themselves as they come out of the program. So it's really an honor to do this work. And I, and I think it's just like, we just, Wade Davis said very recently, I, I was at a conference with him and he said, you have to do what's necessary first and then find out later if it's possible or permiss- permissible. Yeah. And that's really been what this team has been doing is like, this is necessary. We have to show up as full humans, healthy humans, first and foremost, to help others find their whole humanness and and that's what I I that's what I suggest for everyone like you have it within you find the people that can help you see it within you and and don't look for the home runs like nothing's a home run if if yoga gets you five percent better keep doing yoga if hugging a tree gets you five percent better hug a tree if getting out laying on the the grass and staring at this at the sky if if a if a vegan diet gets you better use everything Use everything that feels better. Don't Mm -hmm. look for the home runs. There aren't home runs. It's a journey. It's one step at a time. I love that. That's so important. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Dr. Pamela Crisco. Crisco. Yep. yep. (laughs) One thing we don't want to eat, not spelled the same, but pronounced the same. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. All right. So it's roots to thrive.com. So thank you so much again. My pleasure. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Likewise. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to leave us a five-star review on iTunes because that's what helps us to be heard and to be seen. If you'd like to connect with me directly, or if you'd like to leave any comments, or if you have any questions about this episode, please reach out to me directly through my website, natnidham.com. And of course, if you're not already a member of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Community on Facebook, that's where you'll find me every day. It's a short application. Just answer a couple of questions and you're in and interfacing with other amazing biohackers. Thanks again. And we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode.